0: Children of the world, parents of the world,
1: this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions.
0: Who am
2: I? I am a champion. Who am I? I am a champion. Who am
1: I? I am a champion. Uh, We are so excited to welcome Robbie Madison to the podcast today. He grew up an ordinary Australian, but his story is anything but average. Uh, Robbie is a legendary motocross athlete with many accolades and records. He is the Guinness World Record holder for the biggest jump, the highest jump, and the biggest free fall on a motorbike, as well as the world record holder for the longest distance ridden on the water. He is also an X-game gold medalist and has appeared in movies as a stunt double. Most importantly, he is the husband to Amy Sanders-Madison and the father to three beautiful boys, Cruz, Jagger, and Rocco. Um, he is. We are so excited to have him on the show today because he is an amazing role model to not only his boys, but to many up-and-coming athletes and champions of the world. So welcome, Robbie.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you, Rowena and April. It's su- I'm super stoked to be here on Squadcast and really excited to talk to the, the kids, the audience, and give them some... Uh, some encouragement and some understanding of, of what they're capable of because inside everyone there's a there's a champion just waiting to be released.
0: Oh, yes. We knew you. that was your spirit because um, I've heard you say before that behind all these crazy stunts and adventures that you uh, pulled that you are just inspiring kids to be, you know, their best regardless of what their ultimate dream is so yeah for, we've had a lot of people tell us you've got to get Robbie Madison on you've got to get his the kids are got to hear from him so awesome. we're so yeah we're so grateful um let's actually dig into before we begin on your story just I loved an Instagram post where you said, "My I think you said my biggest stunt is being a dad." Let's talk about your kids for a second, yeah. Being a dad. Yeah, yeah, I'm so
2: stoked. I think growing up, um, I feel like you know somewhere inside of us, our, our soul or our, our um, greatest self of, of, of who we could be in the future, it kind of speaks to us in ways. Mm-hmm. And and I only say that now, looking back, because some part of me as a kid knew that I wanted to be a great motorcycle rider when my Teachers would ask me in class, like, "What do you want to become?" I always knew that deep down, I wanted to be a, a really good motorbike rider. And one of the other things I always thought of, like, I, I I wanted to have a family. And some part of me always felt like that I was going to have this beautiful family. I don't know why I thought that, but it came true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they have become, you know, the most greatest thing I've ever had. You know, it's it taught me so much. You know, um, a big part of me when I was younger was. Thinking of all these crazy things to do and, and how I could live my dreams in the most epic ways. And, and that's just, it's another conversation that we'll get into, but it's very hard to make all those things come, come true. And from the outside looking in, it might look like I've had this amazing, really all pushy career, which it has been amazing. I have done amazing things, but they've all been such hard work and have taken so much commitment that I can't even explain. Um, I mean, every single one of these things gets to the point of like giving up and, and I don't give up and I push through. And right after that point of like feeling demoralized, like it's never going to happen and feeling like the weight of the world's on your shoulders, right on the other side of that, once you push through it is it gets better and uh, and it gets easier and things start to make sense and things come true and reality sets in. And then you kind of, you know, based off of how you train and, 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 and your mindset um, and, and what you've done in the past, those things will lead lead the road but that's and that's how it's gone with my kids you know i met amy when i was younger and um you know we became your boyfriend girlfriend started traveling around and uh and made that commitment that i, I made that commitment early on when we first started dating that i'm like well, i'm gonna date you i'm gonna marry you and, and and so we did and now we have these beautiful kids that um you know aside from all the crazy stuff i've done i'm learning to be patient you know give up my time um you know it's really shifted. Uh, me as a person on on where I spend my time and, and also not you know so much just sitting next to my kids, but actually being aware that they're there, like putting my phone down, giving them my attention, talking to them, um, you know, and and be and playing with them. You know, I think that's where we get our biggest uh well but the most happiest I get is when my kids are laughing and they're in my arms and we're just having a great time or I'm seeing them progress. And I mean even yesterday Jagger skated on the skate ramp for the first time and and just these little things like Rocco just learned to swim, um, Cruz is jumping the freestyle ramp. So they're all at different stages of their of growing up. But it's yeah, I mean it's just the most amazing thing. And, and you know, getting to see them take on little goals and chip away at them and get better and better at what they're doing, and and being inspired. Like yesterday, Jagger learned to skate, and he got up this morning and he's like, "I want to skate the skate ramp." So it's just cool to see. It didn't happen right away. He got frustrated with skateboarding. And, you know, months ago he didn't even want to touch it, so I just let him kind of get away from it. And, and now that um, he's on a uh, timeout from his devices, he's kind of decided that skateboarding would be a great way to fill his time because if he's not outside doing something, he's not allowed on his Xbox. So he gets very bored inside and we're very blessed that we are able to go to the local pump track and the skateboard park here and and do these things. But it's um I, I just love seeing – it's good for me too. It kind of makes me ref- – like – realizing myself that I need to keep moving and I need to keep learning new things. So the kids, oh, yeah. the relationship between me and my kids is like, it's, it's helping me progress. It's helping me spiritually, emotionally. And it's, and I see me having a good attitude with it and, and my wife, obviously, but us having a good attitude towards our kids. Uh, we're seeing it in our kids too. And, and, uh, and so that's cool. You know, Even if you're a little kid watching this and you're maybe not fortunate enough to have a mom or dad, that's going to give you the time that you want out there doing things, but, know that it's – um it, it, that that's not going to hold you back. Don't let that be an excuse. Um, you know, keep chipping on. Find the friends or the people who will give you some time. And, and and even if it's just skateboarding around your driveway or if it's throwing a ball or if it's, you know, playing tennis or whatever it might be, learning to surf or swim, there's just um, – there's a lot you can do. So don't get discouraged when things don't go according to plan because i tell you right now, my life did not go according to plan. There's been so many setbacks. I've had so many career-ending injuries. I've been dead four or five times. So what? There's, a, there's a lot of things that can that can really make you think about life, and I'm very blessed to be here. You know, I have, having my heart stop a couple of times has been, um, you know, I've been told by numerous times by doctors that I'll never uh, keep doing what I've been doing, and here I am still going. I'm very lucky, but um, it's a combination mm. of everything.
1: Wow. Well, we're definitely going to be getting into that because I'm yeah. sure everybody's like, yeah, what. <laughs>
2: hmm great but, but all in all but the kids the kids are my main thing that are making uh, life amazing for me so
1: oh, it's beautiful awesome. to hear yeah well, re- well actually something that you just mentioned about um just knowing that you wanted to get on a motorbike since you were young how did you know that did you have a bike or you just um saw someone doing it or, or bring us back to how all that started
2: uh, so when I was a really little kid my dad had a motorcycle he'd ride it to work and uh he'd pop wheelies up the street and I obviously loved it. And then there was another kid who lived up the road, a bit older than me. That he had a motorcycle he'd ride past, and I just loved it. And obviously, I was very lucky that my parents uh, were in a position to get me a motorcycle. And and then my parents were awesome enough to take me riding the bike, which is it was huge for me as a kid. And I know some parents aren't able to do those things, so. It, you know, it is what it is. But um, that that just kind of started me off, you know, falling in love with the motorcycle. And then when I was asked what I wanted to do, I wanted to ride my motorcycle. So I was very blessed as a child and my parents would take me riding all the time. Um, and I was just like regular kid. I was playing football, um, I was surfing. I, I used to box. So I used to go to the local gym, the police and Juice club and boxing, and that was my fitness. But motorbikes essentially kind of took over. I just I just felt the freedom there with my motorcycle. Um the ability to ride around and go where I wanted to and then to be able to catch air and do jumps. I mean, I really fell in love with the jumping and that's become my career. So,
0: oh, I yes. love that you mentioned that word freedom. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I've been following you your whole career. I don't ride motorcycles, but my be- best memory as a child in Australia was like maybe being five years old and I grew up on a farm and we had a little motorbike and what you just said, I felt the same thing, like that freedom and just like pure joy. And I feel like you're so universal. Like even if there are kids out there listening and they're not going to get on a motorcycle, it's like, um, that's what I feel when I watch you doing all your crazy stuff. It's like this freedom, freedom of the mind, but also, yeah, I love that word. Do do you remember like how old you were when you like, and what you felt when you first got on a bike?
2: I do remember the noise. uh, I do remember the feeling, you know, it was, um, I wanted to go on the ride. Wherever I could go with my dad on my little bike, and uh, you know we would ride from our house, and we would back onto the bushlands. We would ride down into this quarry, and and you know go on these big adventures for a little kid that that weren't that big, but they were they were huge for me. Just being able to ride on my own and, and go down the trails and all that was it was an amazing feeling. And and when asked what I wanted to do, I'd always like, can we go on another trail ride? Can we go on another trail ride? And mm-hmm. and that was something that's been you know it was something I fell in love with, but it's also I remember as a child, it was something that I was, it was easy to forget. You know, when uh, we'd have the school holidays in the middle of summer, I wouldn't ride my motorcycle. It was more of a time when we'd go to the beach and surf and stuff like that. And and if I wasn't kind of um, thrown into riding my bike again, it was something that I was, like, happy to kind of leave it aside. And I've seen a lot of kids do this growing up, you know, where they, they had a good BMX bike but they just never rode it or they, motor, or they had a little motorcycle and they just, you know, never really rode it. And where I'm going with this is that, if you enjoy something and you put it down, don't be afraid to pick it back up sometime, you know, especially when you're bored. You know, it's. Uh, I actually stopped riding motorcycles for a good five years of my life and it was through circumstances that I ended up getting back on a bike, but it wasn't something I planned myself. I just happened to be visiting some friends who were riding their bikes. Me and my friends were on a way on a surfing trip and we were coming back past where I knew all my friends were riding their bikes. We called in and I ended up having to go on one of their bikes and I fell in love with it again. And I'd grown up riding for, for uh, i'd ridden at that time for 10 years and i'd stopped riding and i had stopped riding for five years so i kind of half the time i'd spent riding I'd, i hadn't ridden and then when i hop, hop back on this bike i rode again i forgot how much i missed it so just because you've done something as a child don't don't be afraid to pick it back up again and and, and pick up from where you took off it's not like oh i haven't done it for so long the time's passed now i'm never going to be great at it that's that's uh that's not true because i stopped and I felt the same way. I felt like, oh, you know, I, I was great when I was a kid, but now I'm older, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know. And and uh, for whatever reason, I, I, I took it back up and, and it became my life. You know, when I was, and this is when I was 17, 18, I was uh, working as an electrician. I'd given up on my whole motorcycle background. And, and then all of a sudden I, I rediscovered something that I'd been in love with as a child and forgotten about it. So don't be scared to keep trying everything, everything you can, because you never know what's going to really amaze you and and bring you back and inspire you to be great or or inspire Mm -hmm. you to change the journey of your life
1: do you remember why you had stopped for a little bit what did something happen or you just kind of fell out of love in it at the time
2: yeah and this is probably something that a lot of kids are going to experience but just my family balance was out you know it wasn't it wasn't Mm -hmm. fun for us to go anymore there was um there was other reasons that made it not enjoyable and, and so when I was able to kind of get away from that situation and go riding just on my own, and, and when I got older, I was able to buy my own motorcycle and go with my friends. It kind of changed the energy that was going on there. So I know a lot of kids grow up in toxic environments, and and uh, and we all do. We all have our own situations, and and you know um, my family has been great to me, but also it's very you know you get a lot of growth from what you experience as a child. And so I grew a lot. You know I had a lot of a lot of experiences that that conditioned me and changed me as a person, and. And for whatever reason, once I was kind of out on my own, I moved out of the house when I was 16 and started working as an electrician. I bought my own house when I was 18. And when I was 21, um, I'd been living with my on my own now for five years. And uh, but I was able to um, buy my own house and fund my own career. And so to those kids that feel like they might be discouraged, their families uh, don't have the money to give them the support or whatever, that's all well and good, but you know, you can still stay engaged mentally and, and, uh, and practice as much as you can as a child and know that once you get old enough to, you know, to earn your own money, you can create your own situation where you can fund your own career. And that's what I did. I, I was very lucky, but I I got an apprenticeship when I was 16 and I was able to work a lot of overtime when I was young. So from 16 to 18, I worked a long hours, like 70 to like 60 to 70 hours a week. And, um, and when I was uh, 18, I was—I I had a deposit saved up. I bought a house, which is probably harder to do nowadays. But mm-hmm. um, if you are able to figure it out, you can grow from there. And I, you know, when I, I bought a house, and then two or three years later, I was very lucky that the, you know, um, the value of prices went up, and, and so I had equity in my house, and I was able to borrow against that and fund myself to go ride my bike again, which is a really cool story. But. I'm just trying to, yeah, give people the nice. some insight here that you know, it's um, yeah. if you've been dealt some some tough cards, it's okay. You can trade them in, and you can you can get some better cards. You know, it's just a matter of being uh, keeping your vision. You know, I mean, I, this whole time of, of, of growing up, I always kept my vision. If that's what I wanted to do, is ride my bike, and, and even though I lost sight of that vision and became an electrician for a while, I, I came back to it, and you know, I think it's it's never too old. You're never too old to. Um, do what you love you know and, and even if it's like it's a bit it's a different time than what you would have liked to don't get discouraged by that I feel like it's um you're at the perfect time for the perfect reasons for whatever that may be and if you have faith in that and let go of all the all the weight that you're carrying because you feel like time is wrong if you just let go of that realize you're at the perfect place you can't change none of it so you just have to like breathe in or relax and just accept that you're at this point in time for whatever reason it is and and then and, and it's perfect you know and and then yeah. and, and once you have faith in that and, and you label let go of this pressure that things aren't perfect and realize that they are then I think it helps you to kind of move forwards in a more positive way with a smile on your face and if you have a smile on your face and you're enjoying life and, and what you're doing situations will come and bless you that you didn't even think existed and you didn't think would happen for you but You know, when when you operate with a smile on your dial, with with some gratitude and humble and kindness, people notice it. And and then people tend to be like, I want to help that person out, you know, and and those people that come and you start, your your energy brings people towards you. And it brings, if you have the right energy, you bring the right people towards you. And all of that will help you move forwards.
0: Oh, okay. Our... Little champions listening play yeah. that on repeat he Robbie you gave us so many just like golden secrets in there um I gosh, I feel like I want to rewind. can you say that all again
1: <laughs> <We> <laughs> um, but
0: but what you said about um I'm so glad that you brought up um that your life wasn't perfect and no one's is and I feel like when I was a kid, that's what I did like i I Heard of the stories of the people that didn't have much money, and I'm like, okay, they made it. How did they do it? And so I'm so grateful you're bringing those things up. I almost feel like that part of your story is my favorite. The fact I think a lot of kids who watch you right now, or anyone who's, you know, made their love, their passion a career, they're, I think they're probably really focused on like, oh, how do I get sponsored? How, you know, how do I this? And I love the fact that you've freaking earned your way and you created a way to fund your dream.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah, you got to make it happen. And it it was really, it was very hard for me um, when I was like 16, 17, 18, because I didn't really want to be an electrician, uh, but Mm -hmm. I had no other options. You know, I was like either go to school, which I didn't really want to keep going at school. I felt like I was just the energy wasn't right there. I I knew I wasn't meant to be there, so I felt out of place. And, uh, and, And something bigger was calling me. And then when I started working as an electrician, I loved that for a while and I had a vision of like how I was going to, because one of the biggest goals for me as a child was I wanted to be financially independent. You know, a lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of the fighting in our household as a child growing up was all over financial things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I used to come home to like yelling and screaming most days and, and it was very, it changes you, you know, it conditions you, it, 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 it breeds into your psychological issues and, uh, and I still carry the the marks of those today. So, but my biggest goal was to be financially independent. Um, you know, I didn't want to. I just didn't want to grow up fighting over money and, and screaming. And, and so I, was, as a child, I didn't want to have a motorbike because I could see that I was putting stress on the family. But then, you know, as you get older, um, I, I, I realized you know, working as an electrician was awesome, and and for the most part, I was I was comfortable with it. But then I got I got very sick. Um, you know, viral encephalitis, viral meningitis, which put me on my deathbed. And I was, uh, you know, potentially going to um, have like a, a mental uh, like um, brain injury, right? So I wasn't going to be 100% there. <laughs> and wow. um, and I was able to make a full mental recovery and I was able to kind of get my eyesight back. I had stroke-like symptoms so all the muscles on the right side of my body turned down and my eye went down inside here. And I was very sick for a long time and that was at, at 17. So if you can imagine, you know, I got derailed, at 17 years old and was almost you know taken out by an illness and I think a lot of people would give up at that point and and uh, but it's you're not too old you're still just a puppy so knowing yeah. that um it's never too late to you know even when you you have something like a you know a knee depth experience like I had at that age you know it's, it's not it's not never too late to to shine on your on your bright foot so even if you're 12 13 11 17 16. 21. It doesn't matter how old you are, 30 years old, it's still not too late to follow, find your passion and follow it. So don't get discouraged thinking that you've got some bad cards because everyone has bad cards on their hands in their perspective. So you got this kids.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. One thing I really wanted you to kind of talk about, because I know that this is going to be so helpful, is you do so many incredible feats that most of us can't even fathom. Like I actually can't even sometimes watch you because that alone... (laughs) Kind of freaks me out. But talk to us about like, how do you, how do you mentally prepare for those? Um, Like mentally prepare, you know, leading up to it. And then in the moment, right before you do it, do you have like visualizations, affirmations, or what, what do you do to get yourself to, to do these things?
2: I think, you know, let me backtrack here for a second. I'll get on, I'll get on to the answer the question here in a minute, but I, I feel like, from my perspective, the people who kind of have the golden road and and who have like the finance and and it seems like they got the big fat all the toys and all the flashy stuff and and you're the little kid who's kind of a little bit unfortunate that doesn't have as full cool of stuff as the guy next to you, and you feel like I can't compete with them because they're better or whatever they got better stuff. You know, I can't compete. Just stick to your game plan because the the, the mental side of it that you're never never giving up is going to be way more. Um, it's going to be a way better tool at the end, you know, rather than the kid who's got all the toys in the world and has an excuse for everything. If you haven't got an excuse and you're just simply on worse equipment, your time will come when all of a sudden you're on equal equipment and then you'll see how much better you are because you've gone through all this mental anguish and you've never given up and you're not not at equal as equipment. But I, what I've noticed is some of the most successful people I've ever come across are the people who have had the hardest start. And I know I know a guy who's a multi-billionaire and who was uh he's an orphan he came you know he was a uh, orphan dad and he came from um Cambodia moved to Australia started his own uh company and you know was was a forefront of the of an evolving technology and now he's like you know he, he's made more money generational money which is money's not everything but success and everything comes with it is, is a lot so you know the, the money's just the is a product of of your success and so and it's always nice to be able to afford all your bills and not have to so it it does work something but you know i never did what i did for financial reasons i did it more um just because i wanted to it was more of a personal um push of me to to understand what i was capable of and 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 so yeah i guess my point there is uh you know if, if you if your attitude is uh is, is the winning attitude and and you and you never kind of give up is the main thing. Is, is you'll get your time.
0: Oh, um, I'm so glad you're saying this because I tell this to my kids every day. I don't know if they listen to me. Do your kids listen to you?
2: I'd like to think so. You know, it's, <laughs>
0: yeah, it's
2: yeah. a hard one. My kids are definitely brought up in a more blessed environment than I did, but um, but yeah, no, they we're seeing it and we do activities to demonstrate what it means to not give up. Like we, you know, me and my kids, we get out here and we play golf, and I'm not very good at golf, but. You know, it's a technique, and if you get everything right and do everything right, then it all works, the ball goes in the right direction, and and, and it feels great, but it's very frustrating trying to get it all right. But it's the same with surfing, skateboarding, riding a motorcycle, you know, whatever it is you're doing, there's multiple things that have to happen at the same time in a sequential order almost um, uh, subconsciously, and when all those things happen at the right time, um, then magic happens. and and, uh, Yeah. And it takes a while, you know, especially swinging a golf club and little kids, it takes a while to get that coordination. But, you know, we don't stress on it. We don't expect them to hit a golf ball great from the get-go, But and we just make it fun. And when, it's, when they get frustrated, it's like, hey, it's all good. Let's just do some putting or whatever it is, keep the energy high, and then we go golfing again, you know, two days later, and then again another two days later. And then before you know it, three weeks into that, all of a sudden, everyone's hitting great balls and everyone's having a great time, and you see this progression. And that's all life is, is progression. When I started riding BMX bikes, I was probably the worst kid in the neighborhood. But I loved it and I kept doing it and I kept doing it every day. And I tell my kids, you can't just be great at something. You have to do your 10,000 hours before you become great and you have to do your million hours before you become the best in the world. So don't get discouraged when on hour two you're not very good because guess what? You've got 998,000 more hours to go until you become awesome. So just keep chipping away and know that, you're spending your time, you're chipping away at, at a goal and that's just life, you know, it's like you just got to keep, stay mindful of the goal you want and just chip away at it and even though you feel like you're going in a different directions sometimes, as long as you keep mindset of that goal you want to get to and you make all these decisions along the way trying to get to your destination, you will get there at some point and, and, that's, and that's really the secret, I feel like it's just, you know, keeping your mindset of, of what you're and your end goal, your best dream of what you could potentially ever have in life, make that dream today, and 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 envision like in your head, picture what it's going to be like to get there, and then every day picture that. And so to answer your question, yeah, prepare preparing for the things I do. It it is. It is a mental thing. And could you ask me the question again? Just because I, sorry, I went off track there.
1: <laughs> no, just, brilliant. no, this is awesome. I mean, just wondering, um, w- like, what are you, what's kind of, how do you uh, get to the moment of, of when you're about to do something that is, you know, on a level of like scaring you or whatever. Is it do you mm-hmm. do like a countdown, three, two, one go? Do you play music? I know everybody kind of has something that's a little different, but I think that this is great because it really can be helpful for those that are like, okay, well, this is gonna be great. This is what Robbie does. I'm gonna try that. Or maybe you just kind of go. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I've done it both ways. I've done the I've done the I've done the old like, I'm just feeling lucky, I'm just gonna go for it and see what happens. And generally, I used to get hurt at that point. Um, hmm. and especially at the skate park, just trying to go for something because I, I wanted to get the most height and I wanted to. And sometimes I just think, you know, just the younger mind would think, Oh, maybe I'm just feeling lucky today. But ultimately, the other, I've had those failures, um, before I'm about to do something, I, I kind of break it down into like, um, Especially for instance, say whether it's surfing or riding a motorcycle or skateboarding, you have to know like the steps involved to it to to be successful. You know, you can't just hit a motorcycle ramp thinking, I've got this I've got enough speed, I'm gonna be fine. Because it's not just about the speed, it's also the technique and the body position and and, and when you apply the power. Um, that's gonna that's gonna result in a successful jump. And and say if you're surfing, you can be like, oh, I'm paddling fast enough, I'm going to catch this wave, I'm good. Well, you're paddling fast enough, but if you don't stand up at the right time, you're going to go straight over the falls and then you're going to get, like, pounded by this wave and, you know, kicking a soccer ball. You might go to kick the soccer ball, you're kicking it hard enough, but if you don't make contact with the soccer ball in the right angle, it's going to not go into the walls of goals. It's going to go flying off in the wrong direction. So just trying to make kids understand that just because you got one element right doesn't mean you got all of the elements right. And so... Before I do something, I try to picture myself getting all the things right in a row in a sequence. And if you can picture that happening, like if you're dropping on the skate ramp and you know, all right, skateboard's going to be hooked in under the coping. I need to have my front foot over my front trucks. I need to lean forwards and stomp my front foot down and keep my weight on my front foot. That's going to be a successful drop But if you just put your front foot up there and then you lean in, then you, half, then you lean back because you hesitate and you're not 100% committed, Then you'll slip out, fall on your back, you might hit your head, could cause a concussion, could even kill you if you don't have your helmet on. So that then you realize, well, it's not just about dropping in brightly, but I need to wear my safety gear too. Because if I don't do it right, then I have then I have a second chance, you know. So and I'd say to my kids, hey, I don't mind you popping wheelies, I don't mind you dropping the skateboard ramp, you've got to wear your helmet, you've got to wear your pads, because if you were to mess up, the first thing you're gonna do is drop onto your knees. If you don't have your knee pads on, now you've got a bruised-up knee. Now you can't skate for a few weeks. So you know, it's them, you know, trying to feel the balance of being cool or rushing. They just want to go and skate. They don't think they're going to crash. We've all been there. But to be successful in something, what I do is I mentally picture all the steps involved to do it. And when I can mentally picture it and see it happening in my mind, that gives me the confidence to be like, all right, I'm ready. And once I'm ready, you're still you're still facing fear and you still have that little devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder. And this guy's saying you can't do it. and This guy's saying you can't do it. And you have to, like, essentially what I do is I turn that off, right? And it's, it's hard for a kid, but I turn the mind off because the mind wants to speak to you all the time. It wants to tell you negative things. Um, and it generally doesn't want to say, you've got this, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe with a bit of different encouragement, you you might think you have things at a certain time, but it's very easy for the mind to be um, negative and be like, oh, what if you crash? You might get hurt. Is that the other... The thing that I have learned to do is is to be in control of my thoughts um, because for a long time in my life I wasn't in control of my thoughts and I used to let the toxic thoughts kind of control me and it made me very unhappy. And it's a trap that I think a large percentage of the population is, is in. Um, they speak to themselves negatively, but if you can talk to yourself positively, like, you know, um, I've had a good rest, I've had a good breakfast, you know, I'm worthy of this, I'm, I'm feeling great, I'm not injured. Give yourself a bunch of reasons to feel confident. Um, you know, you're, you're aware of your breath, you've got your full breath, you're oxygenated, you've got your balance, you've practiced this on a, on a small level, you know what you're about to endeavour. All these things has to run through your mind to build the confidence. And then once you're like, all right, I've practiced as much as I can, I've got all these things that I've done right to, to be worthy of this goal. Now you're at the point of seeing, let's say we're at the skate park, we're dropping in the ramp for the first time. <clears throat> now you step, you step up, you put your skateboard in the top of the coping and you're like, oh, I'm so nervous. I can't even control myself. What am I going to do? Bob and Jenny are over there watching me. You know, I don't want to, you know, now's the time you've got to forget about Bob, you've got to forget about Jenny, you've got to forget about that you're telling yourself you're nervous You're like, I've got this. I'm going to pull this off. I know what I, And so. Worrying about what other people are thinking, it's taking you away from the moment of like all the all these things we identify before, what you do. lean forwards, put your weight on your front foot to get the technique right. If you're worrying about all these other things going on, you're, you're going to get the sequence wrong and you're going to crash. And so the, the, the main thing that I do before I do these big stunts is um, I, I picture myself doing it in the weeks, the months beforehand, leading up to it, and I picture it multiple times. Like I'll sit there um, on my own for hours and hours, um, you know, so maybe an hour a day, just picturing what it's going to be like to do it. And, and by doing that, when I actually get to that point, I've actually been through all the fear and I've actually been through this situation where when I'm sitting there, the, the feelings that I'm feeling, it's not foreign to me because I've already felt them when I pictured it prior to this. And so when I jumped the building in Las Vegas on and off the building, I actually was picturing that mentally Six months before I did it, and and during one of the times where I was picturing it, I was so I was so much fear was going through me that I actually dry heaved and was kind of vomiting, and it's just the fear and the realization that I knew I was going to make myself go through this. But when it came time to do it, because I'd already put myself in that situation, all these feelings that normally would drain through you and, and make you feel out of you know make me feel weak and and, and sick and, and uh and not worthy of it. I'd already felt all those emotions. So when it came time to do it, I was like, I've already dealt with all that stuff that I'm gonna do on you know, trimmy. So I was able to just be there mind clear and be like, I've pictured this, I know I want it, now's my time. I'm not gonna let myself let myself down. You know, and that's what all you're doing is by not doing it the best way possible, or you're letting yourself down or you're injuring yourself or you're embarrassing yourself whatever it is so don't let yourself down by not being your best is is the way I look at it and so you know i worked my whole career to get the opportunity to be on top of that building in Las Vegas and jump off it and jump up there and and all that so when I look at when I'm sitting in back to do one of these gnarly stunts I look at um I think to myself well this is what you wanted your whole life and now you've got the opportunity are you going to let the fear stop you you know and 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 my answer is like no I'm not and and I think to myself, well, this could kill you if you don't do it right. And I'm like, I'm aware of that, but I I make sure my, my bike's in great order. I know that, if, you know, you have to be aware of everything. I know the wind's perfect for this. I know the ramp's at the right angle. I know I have the right route to get the right amount of speed. So there's a checklist of all these things I can go through mentally and, like, I'm good to go because I've checked every single box. And if you check every single box, then there's no reason why you can't do it. But if you don't check the boxes, that's when things will catch up with you and and then you'll be realised, oh, yeah, actually you remember Robbie Madison talking about this one day and, and yeah. then you might think that there's a, so there's a process that you need to go through before you can be your best. And and so don't get discouraged um, that you haven't, you know, maybe you've got some work to do to go through and check all those boxes so you can be your best. But I guarantee you if you spend some time checking all those boxes and getting your confidence right and picturing your, in your mind what you want to do and, and you're able to picture it and see yourself doing it, I guarantee you, when you go out there, you're going to blow yourself out and be way better than what you thought.
0: Oh, our audience chills. are so lucky; they just, <laughs> they just got a glimpse into Robbie Madison's mind and how it works. Holy cow! Were you always able to like see it in your mind so strongly that it creates those feelings? Like when you said you felt it so real that you dry heaved. Like, were you were you we able to do that as a teenager, or has that grown over time? With
1: it's, it's grown
2: over time. So I used to be the kid that I uh, would build the jumps. And I think uh, I was very lucky because I was actually quite consistent at, at, at making all the jumps. But you've got to start small. You can't just go and be, oh, I'm going to do the biggest jump in the neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. You've like, got to work within your, within your comfort zone. And, and one thing I was good at was knowing when I was worthy of doing something and when I wasn't. And for most of the time I would ride my bike every day and the way I grew up with it was um, was riding bikes. You know, I'd build bigger jumps and bigger jumps and, and so I'd always mm-hmm. get bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the time I became a professional, jumping world record jumps, it was what I'd been doing as a kid. I'd always, as a kid, I started off with these jumps that were like one foot long, and now I'm jumping jumps that are 400 feet long. So it's just, it's been a progression over time of like knowing what it feels like to be at the right speed and going off the ramp. And so I have this built-in, you know, mechanism that's able to tell me whether I'm right or not. Um, But I've been... Is that
0: like an intuition thing? Is that what you're talking about, like a built-in mechanism, or?
2: I think I, I just think it's come from practicing. You know, if you practice something yeah, enough, yes. um, you just get better and better and better. And then you, I just luckily as a young kid, I had the process right where I started small and I slowly get bigger and bigger and bigger. And and I didn't just go, oh, I'm going to skip a bunch of steps and make the jump this big. I just kept going mm. in small steps. And but what happened? I was always operating in my safe zone but I get these jumps that were like massive and then the kids from down the road go, Oh, can I play with you? And I'm like, sure. And, but now I've got the jump built way out here and they didn't get the progress. So then they would come and jump it and just what up. And you know, one, I wanted one friend splitting his head open from his like hairline down to his, to his nose. <laughs> and unfortunately his mom took it as like, you can't play with Robbie Madison, but it wasn't, it just, uh <laughs> he just didn't progress. You know, and this just shows the progression, right? It's like, if you start small, you will end up being the guy that jumps the biggest jump if you work with progression. Um, but you yeah. can't just you can't skip a bunch of that and just hope that if you can put it all wide. And so some guys will follow my speed and and, and start doing the jumps, and and that's all good. there while 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 I'm there and they can follow my speed, they can jump it when I'm not there. They don't have the skill set or the confidence to be able to know and reassure themselves when they're good and when they're not. And then ultimately they start operating. You know out of their comfort zone and when you operate out of your comfort zone you're, you're destined for something to go wrong so you have to always operate within your comfort zone um, but if your comfort zone is small don't get discouraged it's great start small but just push yourself and it takes it feels heavy on yourself because you're pushing yourself and you're scared and you're using fear but if you start small and you're getting bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden you think, oh wow look how big the jump is i'm doing and you might get scared to that but then you can reassure yourself well no, the last time I jumped it, I did it perfectly and I've only moved it a little bit further. And if you're mindful that you've moved a little bit further and you know that you need to get a bit more run up and go a little bit faster, you're, you're, you're doing it. You're putting it all the pieces in. You can't just expect to go further without something else changing. Um, it kind of, it's almost like a little physics thing. It's very simple physics, but it's. But I, I played with that my whole life and, and it led me to here. And I think, uh, you know, as someone like... I remember being totally out of my comfort zone when I was a little, a little kid. I jumped in the, in the ocean. I paddled out uh, on surf that was way too big for my ability, and it was like eight-foot surf. My dad and all his friends are out there, and I said, can I go out surfing? And they said, and from sitting on the beach, I thought, oh, I could make it across that. And my dad said, if you can get out there, you can surf it. So I went and jumped off the rocks. So I didn't have to paddle out through all the waves because there's no way I could have. But I jumped off the rocks. I cheated. I got out the back, and now I'm sitting out there, and the waves are terrifying. And my dad's like, all right, well you got out you got to paddle in the way, so just paddle as fast as you can. And I remember the paddle for the first wave was so giant, I got scared and I, I kind of hesitated and when I hesitated the lip caught me and it pushed me over the falls and I went all the way down this way and I got luckily I got a breath in, but I I felt like I drowned, but I managed to I was very close to running out of oxygen. I remember coming up and everything everything seemed really bright and, and my hearing my hearing was like extra sensory hearing. Uh, you hear people talking on the beach so i was like very I obviously oxygen starvation or something like that i was gasping for air and it scared me and i was crying but um they're the ones that build you and and Mm. and so now looking back at that it was a lesson for me like i i try to jump i I try to jump like a step you know i went from surfing four foot waves to trying doubling it and you should go from four foot to five foot to six foot to seven mm. foot and, and go this way. So that's my biggest thing to kids. Like if you can skate the mini ramp, don't go try and drop in on the half pipe. You know, it's like, just because you can skate the mini ramp doesn't mean you don't know what it feels like to drop in from the vert ramp. So go and pump the vert ramp first and just get what it feels like to go up there. There's, there's just steps in life. And if you just take mm. the right steps, you don't know, try and leap from your way and cheat it. And that's why I see like my kids too, like, they just want to be instantly great at stuff. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's like, look at you and your Xbox. You didn't you weren't great when you first started, but you're not getting injured, you're not facing any fear. You just you're just um you're just uh dedicating your time to it, but after you spend all these hours, you get good at it, and it's the same as anything else in life, but they may have different consequences. Yeah, sure, when you die in Fortnite, you don't actually die. We all know no. that, but you know, if you if you try and drop if you try and fight the best fighter in Fortnite and you you just started, he's going to smoke you. If you try and drop in on the biggest skateboard ramp and you just started, you're probably going to break a bunch of limbs. And
0: <laughs> such a good analogy. Yeah,
2: so it's like you should start off with um yeah, and that's just I think that's a secret in life to me is um is just one step at a time, and and it's the old story of the tortoise and the hare. You know, mm-hmm. if you just chip away at it, it's like after time. And once you, it might seem like it's happening slowly, but I guarantee you, when you get there, you know you might start when you're seven, eight, even if you start when you're 15, or if you're 20. In 10 years' time, you're going to be great. So if you start when you're eight, when you're 18, you're going to be awesome. You start when you're 22, when you're 32, you're going to be awesome too. So and and then there's there's and it changes for everyone. Some people are just pick up at stuff great, but that's the exciting part of it. Is you we're all different. We all learn at different levels, and um. But the key is just not getting discouraged. Don't get
0: discouraged ever. Yeah. Oh, such inspiring words. Simple but inspiring. Can we talk a little bit about the lows that you've had? I know you've had some high highs and but you mentioned in the beginning, like, you know, career ending injuries, illnesses, death. Maybe tell our tell our listeners some of the worst stories. <laughs> And then how did you get out of there must have been so much doubt and fear and maybe losing track of your vision come in? Like how did you go from there to where you are now?
2: Yeah, so growing up uh, as a kid I wanted to be a professional motorbike rider Um, but I also was like in a position where I was like encouraged to get an apprenticeship and because if I want to be a motorbike rider, my dad was like, all right, get your apprenticeship and then if that doesn't, you know, once you become a tradesman if you want to go and become a motorbike rider that's fine you can fund it yourself and then if that doesn't work out you can fall back on this trade you have as an electrician mm-hmm. um it's like a safe net it's like a your backup plan so it's like that's a good idea so i became an electrician when i became an electrician my competitive nature inside of me i was competing for who get the biggest paycheck me and the other apprentices started with me at the same time Yeah. so we were going back and forth who to work the most amount of hours and uh I actually just worked myself into sickness. I, I wasn't getting enough sleep, enough rest. I didn't have a good enough diet. And so I would work like, you know, uh, I was working 72 hours a week when I did all the overtime shifts and I was going home. I was still like kind of hanging out with friends on the weekend and not getting enough rest. So then after a month of doing this, I was really run down and, um, I ended up having a day off. We went jet skiing with some friends and we had a jet ski accident um, where we were both on identical jet skis. We were racing across the water. We are kind of like trying to spray each other. And I was on the back of, of a friend's jet ski and we, we hit a bump and kind of lost control and it flipped me off and he hit the other jet ski and then they all crashed. And when when it flicked me off, it actually it rocked me into the air. So I was like up in the air, tumbling around, and I could see them Hit the ground, the water really hard. I, I literally saw them both splat on the water. So I'm laughing in the air at my friends crashing. And then when I came down, I had a, I had a, my mouth was wide open laughing. So when I landed in the water, I just took force fed all this water, and we're in a really dirty oh. um, lake at the time. So I got all this nasty water. And <clears throat> a week later, I um, I collapsed at work. And I, and then uh, after I collapsed, I kind of regained consciousness. I knew something was wrong. And I had like, I had pins and needles in my stomach, which is a weird, because normally pins and needles are a result of like loss of blood supply, but I had pins and needles in my stomach. So I didn't know what was up and and I felt strange and then all of a sudden I couldn't talk. And then I went to my boss and and they realized something was wrong. So they didn't drive me to the hospital, they drove me home and I was pointing where to go. And then now I, I literally couldn't talk, so I was just pointing where to go. We went to the doctors and they thought I was having a hemorrhage or a stroke. So then they drove me to the hospital. And by the time I got to the hospital, I was just holding on to life. And once I walked into the hospital, I saw the nurses, I like, collapsed. And then I ended up having, um, I went into uh, like a lost consciousness. So then they um, they put me on life support at that point. Um, wow. And they started taking like you know, tests to figure out what was wrong. And what happened was I, I actually contracted meningitis and encephalitis. So both of those things can kill. Uh, that killed so many people. Having a sickness like that, an illness, it attacks the brain. Um, so I lost control of my motor skills. I wasn't able to talk. Um, you know, it's on. They they kind of weaned me down, and put me on uh, on life support for for some time, to, or not so much life support, but yeah, in a coma um, to rest. Wow. And uh, anyway, when I came out of that, it took a long time for me to recover. But that was like a huge low for me. And, and at that point, I was so sick that you know. Like I said before, my eye had turned in. Um, I had uh, some neuromuscular issues where my arm wasn't working properly, my leg wasn't working properly, and I lost a lot of weight. And so I wasn't even allowed to go back to work at that point. You know, I had to go to a, a, um, a rehabilitation center to teach me how to read and how to talk and and how to you know all this stuff again. And uh, but luckily for me, I made very quick advances, and I started talking again quite early. And then my eye was still turned in, so I had double vision and um but uh, they gave me some eye exercises to do so i did those eye exercises like and they said it may take six years to come back and may never come back and i was able to get my eyesight my eye muscle to come back within six months and uh and so wow. after three years i made like a full recovery um but i still had some i had uh, what happened was after i had that when you have meningitis your brain swell so after having the brain swell um what happened is I had secondary impact syndrome. So now I went back to living a normal life and then I fell in love with motorcycles. But whenever now I had a a traumatic head injury, like crashing my motorcycle, I would go into a seizure. And so Mm -hmm. now I've had four of those happen where I've hit my head, I've had a seizure, and then I have to um, put an airway, establish an airway in me, and then I have to give me anti-seizure medication, which after you've had a seizure, it's kind of like your brain kind of short circuits. So they have to kind of like put you to sleep to allow your brain to wake up again to let everything kind of settle down and essentially mm. I'm in an induced coma at that point so I've had four induced comas um from traumatic head injuries and I think most of the traumatic head injuries I've had it, my heart stops beating so I've had to be paddled when you're know, that they paddled my, my heart just started again so I've been brought back to life four times that way and, and another time when I was when I was a little baby, I had croup when I was 16 months old. So I had my heart restarted then. So I'm definitely meant to be here having all these yes, near death are. experiences. But they have been the, the lows, you know, like some of the lows is, is from this brain injury. And I guess uh, the other lows are, are obviously the other injuries. You know, I've broken so many arm, I've broken this arm like three times, broken both my collarbones twice, punched both lungs twice. I've had, like, multiple head injuries, like we just talked about. I've broken my neck. Um, these teeth are false, but they're so white, clean. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I've, I've ruptured, you know, um, I've, these career-ending injuries, like I talk about, there, there are some of them. Um, you know, I've, I've had multiple knee surgeries. Um, I've actually ruptured the discs in my back, which uh, most people have that injury and never kind of, Go back to being athletic or, or moving around again. And to anyone who's dealing with back injuries, I just want to tell you right now: it, it is fixable. If you get, uh, if you start doing Pilates and Egoscue and yoga and and stretching and and working out each day and engaging the core, most people have back injuries. You probably realize that you're not engaging your core when you do most most movements. But you should be engaging your core when you're getting in out of the car, when you're doing reaching down into the refrigerator. If you're not engaging your core when you're walking and doing everything, that means you have a weak core. And it's not so much about being strong. It's just you have to be able to get the movements up and be consistent with your movements to a point where it just naturally turns on. And once you get your core activated, and a lot of coaches will talk about this, activating the core, you can either activate it mindfully if you're not there yet. But once you get to a certain point of, um, of, of, of uh, making this core healthy, it naturally turns on when it needs to, and you know I've been skydiving a lot lately. I've been doing a lot of base jumping and um, and obviously ride my motorcycle. And so whenever your canopy opens, when you're free falling, um, when the canopy opens, it's such a brutal change of speed um, that it, the impact can it will damage your back if you're not if you're not um, prepared for it. So when I pull my chute, first thing I do is I activate my core, make my core very strong. So when you get that compression, it doesn't damage it and so when you ride a motorcycle, if you're not engaging your core, every time you land, you get that impact. It's actually damaging your spine if you're not engaging your core. And if you're skateboarding and you slip over, falling your butt, if your core's not engaged when you fall over, you might rupture a disc. Um, and that's what happens to people who are like getting around the house and they have a slip on the stair and they rupture their back is because their core's not engaged. And, and then I guess the moral of the story here is just, just be, you have to be active and you have to be healthy. You know, if, if you're... um. If you want to have like the best life that you can create for yourself, you have to take care of yourself. And this is the this is the vehicle, this is your car, right? This is your motorcycle that you're riding around in, that your soul's riding in. So make it clean, make it, you know, make it, get all the dents out of it, and and, and polish it once in a while. You know, you gotta you gotta take care of this body of yours. It's the main thing before you can be before you can, you know, let all this amazingness that you have inside of you come through. You have to you have to take care of yourself first.
1: Um, Well, I'm actually also a doctor. And so listening to all of these um, stories is making blowing (laughs) my. I'm like, it's like blowing my mind, because I've seen a lot of the things that you've kind of experienced. And I have not seen people come out and have such an amazing (laughs) return. So this is you are you are meant to be here. And this is, uh, it's very impressive. And you're right. I mean, taking care of yourself and core is so important. Well, before we let you go, we'd love to hear from you. What does champion mean to you? you
2: champion means to me is we all have a champion side of us inside of ourselves and um i wish i had my shirt on right now but i'm starting my own brand it's called mad will and mad will is like it's, it's releasing that champion it's having that that will inside of you to be your best so to be a champion to me means just being your best and being your best is um it takes work and it may, it may like when you're laying in bed on the cold winter's day and it might seem like, oh, today I don't want to be a champion. I just want to stay here where it's nice and cozy and warm. That's good. Do that. But just know that life's about balance, you know, and it's the days you want to be lazy, be lazy. But know that you owe yourself a day of being active if you're going to be lazy. So be that champion inside of you and just get up and do what's right for yourself. And, and uh, you know, you may not get a medal, you may not get a trophy, but you'll get it. You'll get rewarded. In what comes out of your life and what comes your way, because you are in charge of, of your future, and, and the decisions you make every day are the ones that are going to make your future tomorrow. So just be, just know that that's the fact. And I proved it to, my, to myself. You know, I've been I've been the lazy guy and and, and uh, unmotivated and negative, and and I've got into myself into some you know uncomfortable situations, and life doesn't feel good like that, and you get depression and and uh and then that just starts a whole ugly chain you know spiral of chain link of events that, that go from there but if you eat healthy and you're mindful of what you drink and what you can s- consume and and if you have a lazy day that's good if you have an active day that's great but champion to me is means um you have the right balance and life's all about balance so just be that champion. Give yourself the right amount of balance to be your best, and and um and if you're being your best, you'll know it, and then then you're a champion.
0: Yes, yes. Oh, oh. I had a dream last night, Robbie. I like it was all about I was running around the skate park and the bike park and telling all the kids I was like, "You gotta listen to Robbie Madison's interview. It was so good. Oh my gosh, you have to listen to it. And now that it's done and it's finished, I'm like that." that was kind of real. That's this awesome. is what I'll be doing. I'll be running yeah. around telling the the, the young ones. I've just it. been hanging off every word. I'm uh, This is way better than I expected, even. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> we're, bet, we're so grateful. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, so uh, one other thing I want to touch um, on to kids is um, don't be scared of the word meditation. I know growing up I used to think that it was like this hippie kind of thing and I didn't really understand it. And for the most point, if you ask people what it is, uh, you know, people probably not going to touch on it, but meditation is like, one thing that's going to allow you to be amazing, um, it's turning the mind off and it's that negative chatter that you hear all day that you're kind of talking yourself out of doing things or, or you're telling yourself that maybe you're not awesome or you're not pretty or you're not whatever it is. You are. You're beautiful in your own right and when you have a smile on your face and you're doing what you love, you're amazing to everyone. You seem, you're so attractive, you're smiling and you're having a great time. That's just, that's what beautiful is. So know that it's not about your features, it's about the character that you assume and, and and how you carry yourself. And if you're if you have a smile on your face and um um and and you love your thoughts, then you you'll become across beautiful. And so mindfulness and meditation is giving yourself the time to just sit there and listen to those negative thoughts come in, say hello and just say goodbye. I don't need you guys anymore. Just go out of my mind. I don't need you coming in. And then the positive thoughts, remind yourself of how great you are and remind yourself that you worked hard yesterday, that you did good, so you have any – remind yourself of all these good things that can, that, that can bring you – it's like a snowball and you're adding snow to this and you create momentum to this thing that, that's, that's helping you. And so just keep building on that snowball and make it bigger and bigger by reassuring yourself of, that you are worthy of it and then taking the time to just try and sit there with your mind off because if you can sit there with your mind off and just – Picture, I picture my, my mind as like an ocean. When I first started doing this, when I started picturing my mind as an ocean, it was dark, it was stormy, the wind was going, there was white chops everywhere, it was very cold and I was in the middle of this ocean, there was no saviour and I felt like I was going to drown in my own, you know, storm of, of, of confusion and then I was able to like get that that ugly ocean into this beautiful paradise with palm trees and nice hindi beaches and blue crystal water and that's the state of your internal affairs. So if you can picture your internal state as a paradise, then it's getting really nice for you. It's getting really comfortable. And then whenever something ugly is going on or you're in a situation that 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 making you feel anxiety, know that you can go home to your bedroom or somewhere you feel comfortable and close your mind and picture that oasis and, and relax all the muscles in your body. And that's you. That's meditating, baby. That's amazing. And if you're able to be there and then tell yourself that, you're going to be great at whatever you love doing, whether it's music or singing or, or, or acting or studies or curriculum or going to school, whatever it is you want to be great at, you can harness it in your paradise inside your mind. And then when you open your eyes, nothing's too bad because if things do get bad on the outside, you can go back to this paradise on the inside. If you can get that paradise, then you're looking good.
1: Oh, it's so good. I love it. Oh, my gosh. You have given us so Namaste. many nuggets today. Namaste. namaste thank you so much <laughs> i'm so glad you you
0: didn't let us go before you gave that because we were like conscious of the time i'm like oh no it's getting too long but oh we could talk forever yeah, thank you could. so much no though, worries guys Robbie. and
2: all you guys on the Squadcast. guys stick true to what you love be yourselves put a smile on your dial and you'll be great
0: oh thank you thanks Robbie. thank you guys it was everything that we could have dreamed of join us for the champion breakdown where we're going to break down Robbie's top seven tips. And don't forget to find us on Instagram. I am a champion podcast, our YouTube channel. I am a champion and go follow Robbie, Robbie Madison on Instagram. His family's got a YouTube channel, the mad house. Wow. feel really lucky. Okay. We'll see you next week.